Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for... Oh my gosh, it's just crazy. It's already April 17th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. And just so you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. By the way, the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips? Welcome to the broadcast. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Tell your neighbors. Live and on-demand radio free. A quick recap of Friday's Freedom Loving broadcast. We had our guest on, Mr. Chris Carlson. We talked about all things liberty, discussion of all things liberty. We talked about honest money. I'm calling it the root of the restoration solution. Uh, Chris brought up a parable, or an allegory, if you will, called The Money Myth Exploded. Great breakdown of exactly what, how money works, what it is, etc., etc., etc. We talked about during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln said, I have two great enemies, the Southern Army in front of me and the financial institutions behind me, or in the rear. Then he said, the one in the rear is the greatest enemy talking about money <clears throat> talking about the money changers really the bankers etc and i disagree with the point of lincoln that he's got an enemy of the south in front of him uh i don't really agree with a lot of the north's points you know what i think the south was like three quarters right the north was about a quarter right <laughs> in the debate i I'm, sadly it's all Mixed up, you know, both sides had some things right and many things wrong. The wickedness of the nation, by the way, I believe the cause of the real problems that they had in the Civil War. The blessing, at least America, is still the United States of America. That is, in my personal belief, a good thing. Biden said it's time to end America's longest war. USA Today, I wish we would really do such a thing, but I don't see it. I just don't. Uh, We've had president after president after president promise to back away and get the troops out of places. They never do. We're in over 130-plus nations militarily, and I don't see it backing off anytime soon at all. They love the military-industrial complex. They love the spending. They love the murder. They love to be in the middle of everything. It's a sad tale to tell, but true. All right, we talked about intel agencies call China an unparalleled threat to the United States during a hearing Uh, Before the Senate Intelligence Committee, there appeared to be no dispute, ladies and gentlemen, that China represented the most serious risk to the United States, where officials said Beijing has long sought economic advantage through sustained cyber warfare. Isn't that interesting? That was our one of Liberty Roundtable Live. Uh, War and... uh, Illegal money, fake currency, go hand in hand because without fake currency, you can't fund uh, immoral, unconstitutional wars, okay? 
just be clear on that reality check as well. The second hour, we had on Dr. Scott Bradley his lifelong goal to preserve the nation, his collegiate series named the same, To Preserve the Nation, his website, freedomsrisingsun.com. And we talked with him about Pfizer CEO. Third dose of COVID-19 vaccine, likely needed within 12 months, he says. Wow, so they promised you you had to have two. Now they're already telling you you have to have a third. And then he goes on. Albert Berla is his name. He said it's also possible that people will need to get vaccinated every year to protect themselves against the coronavirus. So there you have it. Vaccine uh, happy are we, I guess. By the way, do you know the difference be- by the, or between the mRNA vaccines from the Pfizer? I guess those are, let me start over. The mRNA vaccines are from Pfizer, or from Pfizer BioNTech, and Moderna. And then do you know the difference between that and the adenomavirus? Those are from J&J and AstraZeneca. Do you know the difference between those two? It's the way that the, um, the, way that the uh, vaccine deals with the cells and how it gets into the cells. And one is made from virus patterns messing with your RNA. The other one is made from a completely different virus unrelated to the corona. Uh, both of them are experimental Big time, folks. Are eugenics happening today? Or is eugenics happening today? The answer is a clear yes. Sadly, it's alive and well. Meet the eugenics generation. Scott Bradley warns, you know what, folks? These vaccines have been killing children for a long time. Sudden infant death syndrome. But now there's a new term for adults who are dying. Vaccines, we believe, that's Sam and Scott, mind you to be causing a lot of this, but you better gear up for a spike in sudden adult death syndrome. Yeah. What do they call that? Sads? Boy, all, boy, howdy, huh? I just say this. We need to leave it to people's agency to choose if they want the vaccines or not. And we need to make sure that we've got real transparency on the subject, on the research of vaccines, on when vaccines go wrong, on how to handle them, that we really need to focus on that. What I don't like is they're trying to cover up the negative effects of vaccines while literally running around telling you how incredible and awesome and safe and effective and everything else they are. And that's my problem is we really need transparency surrounding this discussion. All right, I made, uh, that's a recap of yesterday's broadcast, BT-Dub. Uh, but yesterday, I made some very interesting statements that I think people might be um, kind of stepping back from and going, whoa, Sam, wait a minute, hold on. I made a statement that, you know, they, the United States has been involved in the eugenics movement for a long time. And the eugenics movement has been around for uh, a real long time. Uh, and the United States and many other big uh, transnational corporations were involved with Hitler back in the day. And they really do want to create a master race, folks. Look, this is uh, evil as all get out. Um, I don't believe in a master race if we're going to you know, separate genes from individuals or whatever else. I don't agree with that. I believe that we're all God's children. We're all the human race, by the way, regardless of the different ethnicities that people um, have as their inheritance, if you will. Anyway, I bring this up, though, because they do really want a master race, folks, these eugenicists. And I mentioned and I kind of said the research uh, is really uh, – seriously documented that what they want to do is they want to kind of dumb down most of the population 
and then they want to create an elite kind of population. Uh, and, and so the dumbed down population would be lower IQ, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then the elite group would be completely separate and they would uh, have a dream of living forever. Um, and I mentioned that really it's kind of the, the Tower of Babel in your body, if you will. Um, because the Tower of, of, of Babel uh, understand their goal was to kind of be above God or to take down God or to, to seat themselves above God, above God. It's kind of like the Bible explains that Satan's agenda was. Well, that seems to be the Tower of Babel plan and the eugenics movement plan seems to be cut from the same cloth, if you will. So I mentioned that their goal is to kind of you know divide society a little bit, the dumbed-down humans, the great unwashed, and then the elite humans. And I know people are kind of looking at me going, Cross, cross-eyed going, Sam, <laughs> you're going a little far here. Um, are you a Jew hater? Are you a, 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 a you know, are you a, 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 a bigot? What's the deal with you, Sam? First off, I'm not a Jew hater. I do believe there are unique Jews placed in uh, very influential positions of power in the media, and they control a lot of the money and all that kind of stuff at the high levels. But I don't believe that the Jewish people are evil people or bad people. You know what? I think they're good people like everybody else. They have the right to their religion. Many of them as your neighbors are wonderful people. So understand that <clears throat> when something gets corrupt at the top, maybe, a lot of organizations are corrupt at the top, don't you know? That doesn't mean that the rank and file or the people day-to-day are bad people. So let's be very clear. I'm not attacking the Jews. I'm not attacking the Catholics. I'm not attacking the Mormons. I'm not attacking any individual group and singling them out because I don't believe that broad brush is helpful at all, Okay. Now, I digress, except to say that I told you that their goal is to dumb down a, 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 the majority of the population, but make elite a certain portion of the population. And I said there's ample evidence of this reality. I know people were hesitating quite a bit. However, here's what's fascinating. The same day I make this claim, another story pops up that literally furthers this evidence, historical evidence that I'm referring to. All right? I'll give you the headline. After the pause, we'll talk about it in detail. Headline says scientists have successfully created embryos that are made of both human and monkey cells. This is at NPR, National Public Radio Story. So if you question the source, uh, NPR, pretty liberal organization, they're the ones telling you the story. Okay, I'm just reporting on it. You got it? Go look up, if you don't believe me, NPR. Scientists have successfully created embryos that are made of both human and monkey cells. They say it's in a search for transplant organs. National Public Radio. So whether it's you know under the guise of transplant organs, whether it really is transplant organs, Do you want a vaccine-modifying RNA into your body that you can never go back from? Do you want to get a new organ, say a heart, a kidney, a liver, that's kind of half monkey, half human there now? You want one of them? And you can say, well, Sam, look, the, the eugenicists are good people. They would never. Oh, you think? Let's talk about it. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. I don't want to talk about this, but I will. I'm just so 
mad. I didn't get asked to the junior prom and it's raining, which means by the time I get to school, I'm soaking wet. Dad picked me up just after I left and I was so mad I got out and he said, wait, your mom said to give you this. I forgot my lunch money and then I dropped it in the water and I was late for history and so at lunchtime I had to find something on John Stuart Mill, which of course our library didn't have. So I had to walk all the way down to the office to call my mom and she found something on the internet and called me back. And Karen, she wouldn't even help me and that's a whole nother story. But Dad helped me conjugate nouns or whatever on the way to the swim team workout and then he read my history paper while I was in the pool and of course I forgot the bibliography so I had to do that with my mother when I got home and it made me totally forget that I put my jeans in the washer that morning and I hate it when they sit wet like that all day and smell like mildew but my mom said she put them in the dryer while I was at the swim team and you know I'm just not gonna go to the prom no matter who asks me I just want to stay home with my mom and dad family and just hang out isn't it about time unless Dustin asked me from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? I believe that great nations and great civilizations spring from a people who have a moral compass. I don't think a civilization can long endure that does not have respect for all human life, born and not yet born. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back with you live. So I'm telling you right now, they're going the eugenics movement. They've taken it underground since the Hitler days, but they're carrying on because they really believe in this. They want to upend God. They want to play God with their science view. It's the Tower of Babel related to the human body in modern times, ladies and gentlemen. They want to literally try to upend or challenge God's supremacy. That's I know that sounds crazy, but that's what they really want to do. And the proof in the pudding is they have always an ambivalent kind of a reason to do something, but yet uh, some might have that real view, but many don't. And even if it's, you know, good people with good agenda at first, how do you know the agenda won't run off the rails uh, over time with later generations? All you got to do is get one evil genius scientists uh, in the mix and pretty soon the, what, horses let out of the barn? Is that the best way to say it? (laughs) All right. So scientists have now successfully created embryos that are made of both human and monkey cells in their quest, in their search uh, for transplant organs, they say. Sounds like a good thing. Hey, if you need a, a kidney or a liver or something like that, it sounds like a really good thing. You know, now you have to get like a sheep heart valve or something like that. You know, you'd be able to get a half human, half monkey heart valve. Better than a sheep one, right? Well, you know, I'm just not comfortable with the scientists on this thing. They say for the first time, U.S. and the communist Chinese... Scientists have created embryos that are part human, part monkey in an effort to find new ways to produce organs for transplants. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to respond to this exactly, folks, because, you know, now they say, but some ethicists worry about how such research could possibly go wrong. You think? (laughs) Wow. 
The team of scientists, by the way, injected 25 uh, cells known as induced pluripotent, I think that's how you say it, stem cells from humans into uh, marquee, is that how you say it? Monkey embryos? Yeah. NPR noted. After just one day, researchers report being able to detect human cells growing in 132 of the embryos. So now you got monkey humanoid, um, whatever, eggs happening. They said that they could study them for up to 19 days. I don't know why only 19 days, but there you go. I don't see this type of being ethic. I don't see this type of research being ethically problematic. Insu Hyen said, a bioethicist, I guess uh, with Harvard University added, it's aimed at lofty humanitarian goals. See, I want to stop there just for a second. I agree it might be by some people lame that lofty humanitarian goals. I don't think oftentimes people say, hey, I want to create a Frankenstein baby, half monkey, half human. You know, I don't think the average Joe thinks that. I believe there are geneticists and scientists and, and, and eugenics of people who do want that. But I think the average scientist doesn't want that. They're just going, hey, what could really be done? Um, but the research is raising a whole host of questions as to whether this should really be done. My first question one eugenicist asks is why would we do this? Kirsten Matthews, she's a fellow. Now, I don't know how she's a fellow, but there you go. She's a fellow for science and technology at Rice University's Baker Institute. And she said, I think the public is going to be concerned, and I am as well. See, I think that she literally probably is concerned, and she doesn't think it's a good idea. And, you know, I get it. She says, I think we're just kind of pushing forward with science without having a proper conversation about what we should and what we should not do. I think she's right as rain on this. I don't think we should launch forward with this without discussing it seriously. Should it be regulated as human because it has a significant proportion of human cells in it? Or should it be regulated just as an animal or something else? At what point are you taking something and using it for organs when it's actually starting to think and has logic. Nobody really wants monkeys walking around with human eggs and human sperm inside them, she says. Hank Riley, a Stanford University bioethics, uh, bioethicist, I guess is how you say it, co-wrote an article in the same issue of this journal we're talking about that critiques the line of research, explained how this is. Because if a monkey with human sperm meets a monkey with human eggs, nobody wants a human embryo inside of a monkey's uterus. I don't think we're on the edge of beyond the planet of the apes, he added. I think rogue scientists are few and far between. But they're not zero. So I do think it's an appropriate time. For us to start thinking about these things, should we ever let these experiments go beyond a Petri dish? Well, I think the answer is clearly a resounding no. I think that's obvious 
uh, in my mind, because I don't believe we should play God and try to create a, what would you call it, a human monkey? A monkey man? That would be half monkey, half human man? Um, human monkey? I don't know. Anyway, I, I don't think that we should be playing God and, and, and doing this stuff at all. Okay? I get that they're saying, well, let's do it for this you know, righteous, good, humanitarian purpose of organs and everything. But I think you're playing with fire uh, is what I think. And I, I think if you're not very careful, you create this Frankensteinish uh, life form uh, trying to play God and authoring life. See, that's where I, I'm incensed by this research. I'm incensed by the very notion that we're going to create a dumbed-down being and a elite-type being. These are the eugenics movement's agenda. You don't believe me? Go study how Planned Parenthood was started. It was started based on this eugenics idea to create a master race and jettison all black people. I mean, it is evil and satanic as all get out, folks. Okay, it is shocking. But I don't want monkey man around or human monkey or whatever we call this thing. Um, not because uh, if they did have life, that they would be evil beings necessarily. Uh, but because I'm not sure we're supposed to blur the line between humans and animals. And, you know, when does logic and thinking and accountability before God come into play as God's children versus when have we created a. I, I don't know. This ethnic, ethnically becomes a problem, but it ethically becomes a problem as well, right? Ethnically and ethically become a problem, to say the least. Scientists have successfully created embryos. For the first time, U.S. and Chinese scientists have created embryos that are part human, part monkey. I, I'm just not sure how to respond to this exactly, folks. Right? I, I don't know how to respond to this because I'm not comfortable with it at all. Because even if your um, intentions are good, are you confident that the Chinese intentions will stay good? Are you confident that later scientists in America will mean well? So I find this to be very serious. And this is National Public Radio. Um... Okay, I'm very concerned about this, uh, but NPR is the one that had released this story. And the reason that I'm bringing it up right now is because it's literally, ladies and gentlemen, right when I was telling you this without a, a modern story at hand, but just making a historical point with Dr. Scott Bradley yesterday, instantly the story comes across my desk the literal same day. And if those are, you know how they, they used to do videos about this, things that make you go, Hmm, <laughs> what the heck? Okay, same day I talk about this that floats across my desk from National Public Radio, half human, half monkey eggs. How long will it be till it's in a Petri dish? How long will it be until you have human... What? Sperm meeting with a monkey egg and in a monkey uterus? Or maybe in a human uterus? So maybe monkey sperm and a human egg and I mean I don't know which way it all goes or how they would conduct the experiment whether they would want it to be carried in a monkey or carried in a human and I don't know which sperm it would be from the other side and you know I don't know all the details of the research and how far along they've got but here's what I also wonder this is a fair question if they're now telling us about this research 
Have they taken this research 10 times further in secret than they're letting us know? And they're slowly but surely acclimating us to this knowledge. What happens if all of a sudden later we find out, yeah, they took it a little bit further than we thought they did. Um, Yeah, it was an ethical conundrum, but that's why they kept it so secret. And now you've got monkey babies, monkey men, Hugh monkeys or whatever you call them. Uh, And now they're 18 years old or 25 years old or 10 years old or whatever. Um, What do we do then, ladies and gentlemen? And how does this back into the eugenics reality historically that I was pointing to about they're trying to create a monkey race and an elite race, huh? Big questions for little minds, I tell you. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Mike Fortier. Another night of protests in Minnesota over a deadly police shooting. About 100 people arrested Friday night in the sixth night of protests over the death of Dante Wright, the 20-year-old shot to death by a Brooklyn Center police officer, that officer charged with second-degree manslaughter. China Whitaker, the mother of Wright's two-year-old son, addressing the media yesterday. I'm just really hurt for my son because, like, he doesn't have his father now. And it's like, it's kind of stressful on me because, like, I don't, I really don't want to do this by myself. Whitaker also expressing gratitude for the support she has received since Sunday's shooting. The number of COVID deaths worldwide topping a grim milestone. Over 3 million deaths reached this morning based on numbers by Johns Hopkins University. The U.S. recording the most deaths, over 566,000. According to JHU, nine countries have yet to record a COVID death. This is USA Radio News. Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You can save a lot of money. Whether it's just for you or for an entire family, MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Enough is enough. That seems to be the message from President Biden after a deadly mass workplace shooting in Indianapolis. Eight people killed in Thursday's shooting at a FedEx facility. Biden sharing his thoughts at the White House Friday. Every single day. There's a mass shooting in, this, in the United States if you count all those who were killed out on the streets of our cities and our rural areas. It's a national embarrassment and must come to an end. 19-year-old Brandon Hole ID'd as the gunman, the former FedEx employee killed by what appears to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Investigators at Hole's home Friday seizing evidence, no word on a motive. Meanwhile, Biden facing backlash from some Democrats over an apparent flip-flop over refugee limits. Biden campaigning with a promise to lift the refugee cap from 15,000 imposed by President Trump to 125,000. Friday, the White House announces the cap will remain at 15,000. That leads to criticism from some Democrats like Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, who calls the decision unacceptable. Later on Friday, the White House says the cap will be lifted next month and it will be somewhere between 15,000 and 62,500. This is USA Radio News. 
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio. So anyway, enough of that eugenic stuff, but I just found that fascinating. The very same day that I make this claim, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the same day that I mentioned that, uh, they uh, released this. It's pretty interesting that I get a story like that, just boom. And I was referring to the historical reality of the eugenics movement, how evil it is, and how satanic and how they have these goals. And then the same day, I get a story. Scientists have successfully created half-human, half-monkey embryos. National Public Radio. There you go. All right, now, moving on, because there's a lot of stories to get to. Twitter permanently bans... Journalist James O'Keefe, right? And uh, James O'Keefe is the guy, if you don't know, who is one of the founders of Veritas, or Project Veritas, I think is how you say it. Uh, and he's literally been the undercover video guy. What he'll do is uh, have his people go undercover as journalists and record the mainstream press uh, and then expose their lies by releasing the secret recordings publicly. And man, the mainstream press hates this guy. But he continues to get the dirt on them over and over and over, and this time is no different. So Twitter, Twitter now permanently bans journal, journalist James O'Keefe. Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe announced on Sean Hannity's program on Thursday that he's now suing Twitter following the banning of his account. Interesting. So Twitter shuts down James, permanently bans his account. Now James is suing Twitter. O'Keefe's account was permanently suspended just days after Project Veritas began releasing videos, video footage that shows CNN technical director Charlie Chester admitting that the network uses propaganda. A lot of lawsuits coming from Project Veritas here. We won the Supreme Court in the New, uh, against the New York Times for defamation. Now we're going to go ahead and sue Twitter for suspending my account and falsely, or falsely, <laughs> wow, falsely and maliciously claiming that I did something that I did not do, says O'Keefe. Now, Sean asked a bunch of questions, and O'Keefe sat there and answered them. O'Keefe and Project Veritas is currently involved in an ongoing lawsuit against the New York Times, Fox News reported. Twitter, in a statement provided to the Daily Caller about this, explained that O'Keefe's account was permanently suspended for violating the Twitter platform's rules on platform manipulation and spam. Project Veritas was banned from Twitter in February. We will not lose. We can't afford to lose. We've never lost a lawsuit before, O'Keefe stated, before adding that the complaint against Twitter will be filed on Monday. They say they did this after we released all these bombshell revelations or recordings. Um regarding CNN calling themselves peddlers of propaganda, he continued. 
It's pretty extraordinary timing, O'Keefe said. But there are fundamental principles here that we have to fight for, says O'Keefe, and I'm confident that I'm confident we're going to create an army of people that are going to follow in our footsteps. Yeah, what if all of us started recording undercover videos and releasing them and just exposing the criminal activities everywhere? We have no other option, so we are suing Twitter on Monday, O'Keefe added. Wow. In my opinion, a great story. We'll keep an eye on that ball. You know, the sad tale about this is, you know, um, Twitter banned me wrongfully as well. I just don't have any money to sue them, folks. And I've brought it up on the radio and asked people maybe they could donate and we could put together a, a, a money bank or whatever you want to say to sue, but no one's come to my rescue there. So I'll just be hung out the dry and have to let my lawsuit go. I'm shut down on Twitter and don't have the ability to fight. James O'Keefe going to fight. I pray he's successful. But I know James Edwards tried to fight, and he literally got kind of shut down too, right? Yeah, pretty much. He got shut down. Sad to say, it's a matter of money. It's a matter of finding attorneys that will take on the battle. It's a matter of finding attorneys that you can actually trust. Some say you can't trust any attorney, so you have to do it pro se or handle it on your own or get legally, um, you know, uh, what do you want to call them, paralegal kind of people behind the scenes to do all the research for you and attorneys to do all the research for you and then roll in by yourself. The problem is it just derails your whole life. I won't be able to do the talk show. I won't be able to spend time with my family. I won't be able to um, run the radio networks that I do. I won't be able to work my day job in IT. I won't be able to do because I'll just be too busy, you know, fighting the man, so to speak. Right? So, you know, hey, I'd love to sue Twitter because they've wronged me as much as they've wronged James O'Keefe. I mean, they literally said I don't have the right to report on research out of Israel. Right? So, uh, you know, this is a serious problem. I pray for O'Keefe and crew. Um, I pray for Project Veritas because I think they're doing a great work exposing a lot of criminal activity. And, you know, when we say the mainstream press uh, is liberal and is evil and is peddling propaganda, and then they say, oh, you're crazy, you have no evidence whatsoever, you're wrong, we don't do that, not true, we're the who, what, when, where, why guys, and and then James O'Keefe gets one of their own people on record literally saying, yeah, we peddle propaganda, yeah, we wanted to manipulate elections and prevent Donald Trump from winning the elections, absolutely. And then you kind of go, well, I've been vindicated when I claim the mainstream press is evil, and they have an agenda, and it's to take down conservative views, and, and, and okay, all the he who owns the media makes the rules discussions that I've been bringing up for longer than anybody, even before Donald got into the discussion, right? It just vindicates me as absolutely a thousand percent spot on correct. Now, doesn't it? Yes, it does, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So, I mean, I understand and I appreciate James and crew for doing it. And uh, here's what I find fascinating, though, and I don't understand this exactly. But James O'Keefe has done a lot of these undercover videos with Veritas, and I, I commend them. And they've had lawsuits, and they've actually won the lawsuits. And I don't really know how, but I, I'm grateful, right? Well, the reason that I bring this up is because in the pro-life battle, there were undercover, undercover people that did the same thing to Planned Parenthood. 
and they went undercover and recorded videos about Planned Parenthood and other organizations, including your government, ladies and gentlemen, literally buying and selling illegal baby body parts from taxpayer-funded abortions. And uh, when these people went to court, instead of them being vindicated for their undercover videos exposing crime, what happened is the government, in bed with the courts, in bed with who knows who, literally vindicated Planned Parenthood and said, you guys are all good to go. You people that recorded the video, you're going to get your head handed to you uh, in the courts. So it was completely opposite. The James O'Keefe cases, uh, you know, they're getting ground, but the uh, baby body part one's not so well. Well, both of them are recording undercover videos and exposing um, the dishonesty. I'm, I'm trying to think of the words is why I'm hesitating. The dishonesty uh, of the narrative surrounding either case, you know. Well, and then we find out not only is it Planned Parenthood and baby parts, but government. U.S. government buying and selling baby body parts. Well, it turns out to be true, right? Right? Um. That's a problem, right? Well, so I don't, I don't really know where this case is going to go. I pray for Veritas. Right? The FDA buys baby body parts. Planned Parenthood testimony on selling baby body parts. Planned Parenthood and the FDA caught buying and selling baby body parts. Yeah. Fetal tissue, stem cells, all these words come to mind. But I look at this and I go, so I don't really know how to handle this exactly. Because I pray for O'Keefe. But when I see how abused the people are who have tried to expose the baby body part scandal, uh, man, I don't know. Our prayers are with the truth in both cases. But they've been so extreme. Veritas is just one, 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 one. The people exposing the baby body part scandal lost, 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 lost. Is that all by design? I don't know. But I find it very strange indeed because their tactics are, for the most part, the same. Liberty Roundtable Live continues on your favorite talk station. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, 
Many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how to respond to this, but headline says this. Even after we know about the baby body part scenario and everything else, now Biden's set to restore Planned Parenthood funding, folks. Yeah. So the headline says Reporter Grills White House spokeswoman, Jen Psaki, saying, Hey, why does Biden insist that pro life Americans pay for abortions? I think that's a really good, honest, open question, right? Um, what do you think about all that? I don't know how to respond. Except for that's what your government's doing with your money, folks. I mean, think about it. Reporter Grills White House spokeswoman, Jen Psaki, asks why Biden insists that pro-life Americans pay for abortions. It's a serious, serious point, isn't it? And we found out that the government, FDA, is involved in buying body parts from other organizations. Wow. Now, there's a problem with so many news stories. It's shocking, ladies and gentlemen. But I'll give you a couple of examples of some uh, headlines I'm seeing. Fauci admits that Biden administration is violating CDC COVID uh, orders by packing so many illegals into small facilities. Wow. I mean, I look at that and I go, whoa, what the heck is with that, right? But there you have it. Now, there's, there's so many news topics to discuss. But I think about that. Joe Biden's promoting Planned Parenthood and funding, increasing funding for their murderous intent. Pro-life taxpayers are being forced to what, pay? Yeah. All right, there's a black Republican congressman from Utah by the name of Burgess Owens. I don't know if you know who he is. But let me tell you what happened. I guess a Utah newspaper runs a cartoon comparing black Republican Congressman to the KKK. This is hard to understand, folks. It's hard. It's hard to even be serious about this. Right? Why would you run a cartoon about that? How insensitive and abusive can you be? Well, here's the problem. Burgess Owens is conservative. 
right? I don't think you should run cartoons like that, even against a liberal black person. Now, I don't understand why this would even happen. I don't know how to respond to it at all, really. Right? It's a sad tale to tell. Anyway, Utah newspaper runs cartoon comparing black Republican representative Burtis Owens to the KKK. There's insanity discussions here. I don't understand how he'd be compared to the KKK. All right, I want to talk about the rest of this hour. There is a headline that says this, a very interesting discussion in America that people probably don't know enough about and need to. The headline says this, Greater Idaho Plan would make it the third biggest state. State lawmakers hear detailed plan to annex large portions of Oregon into the state of Idaho. Mike McCarter uh, has a group, and they want to expand Idaho's borders all the way to the Pacific. Okay? We've talked about this a little bit, but there's uh, they're gaining uh, notoriety, and they're gaining uh, information, and we got to report on this more because there's details that you haven't probably heard. Millions of Americans now living in Oregon, California, and Washington State could end up in their own private Idaho, <laughs> own greater Idaho, right? And your own private Idaho is a song, right? If a proposal submitted by lawmakers becomes a reality, Mike McCarter, he's a president of what's called Move Organs Borders for a greater Idaho, told a joint committee of lawmakers that the plan would grow Idaho's population by about 50% and make it the third largest state in terms of area. KTV, KTVB reports. Wow. Supporters, well, I guess the plan, let's start there first. The plan calls for around three quarters of Oregon becoming part of Idaho. So they want all of the... Um, Rural parts of Oregon, basically. Supporters say residents of Southeast Washington and Northern California would also welcome the chance to become part of the greater Idaho state proposed. McCarter's an Oregon resident, and uh, he's pushing hard for this. He said that four rural Oregon counties have already approved the plan, and votes are coming up in five more counties. That would be nine counties in total. There's a long-time cultural divide as big as the Grand Canyon, they say, between Northwest Oregon and Rural Oregon. So Northwest is where Seattle and all that is, right? And Rural Oregon, the people out in the country. And the rift between the two groups is getting larger and more hostile. For parts of Oregon to join Idaho, the plan would have to be approved by Congress, they claim. And the legislatures of both states, or in the case of the other states, all states involved, right? McCarter's group argues that the move would likely win approval since it won't affect the balance of power in the Senate to do this. Mark Simmons is a former speaker of the Oregon House of Representatives. He told law, uh, Idaho lawmakers 
that a lot of details still need to be worked out on this thing. You think? Wow. Okay. No doubt about that. Including the minimum wage discussion. Because I don't know if you know, but the minimum wage discussion, it's $11.25 in Oregon and $7.25 in Idaho. Well, it's easy. If it's $7.25 in one state and $11.25 in the other state, you either go to one of the two or you meet in the middle, right? (laughs) $9.25 it would be, right? Um, You know, I don't know all the answers. And I'm not necessarily for this plan. Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, I understand the desire for the small rural groups, whether they be, let's use California as the quintessential example. You know, you've got Northern California and Southern California. And with rare exception, Southern California has got all the population. Uh, From San Francisco on down is, you know, I know people would say, well, San Francisco is in Northern California, Sam. I kind of understand and kind of disagree. But you got Northern Carol- or North Carolina and South Carolina, two states. You got California that's one massive state. It's literally 40 million people in the state, right? 40 million people in the state of California is probably the biggest state by population by far. I don't think any other state even closely compares. So I get that the people in rural or, or I'm sorry, rural California, right? I get how they would want to kind of separate themselves and say, look, we, we're not getting representation. These big cities are just obliterating any uh, clout or any uh, influence we may have, and it's not fair. So I get their desire to split off. My fear is if we're not very careful, what we do, though, is we take all these rural small areas that have rural views in mind, and we merge them together. So pretty soon, you know, Idaho's a big state. And uh, over time, if a ton of people moved to Idaho from California or whatever, right? Um, um, I'm trying to think how to articulate this well enough. Um, I get that they want to leave. But I also get that if they if they get too many people that leave and join and create other big states, then all we have is nothing more than getting rid of all the rural areas and they become part of a different state, a bigger entity. And then it's kind of like the clash of the titans between the big entities, right? The feud between the North Cal- Northern California folks and the Southern California people. They say it's a feud that people just need to get over, right? Right? Understand, though, that the North Southern California is pretty much the Hispanic region. Okay, I mean, you got 10 of uh, California's 58 counties in Los Angeles area, for instance. But there's big differences between Northern California and Southern California. Big. Where does Northern California end and Southern California start is another question. Is it, you know, driving times to lobby San Francisco? What is it? What is the North-South divide? Some say that the North-South divide is a way of critically dividing people over economic lines. You know, it seemed as the widening gap between developed and less developed economies. But, you know, uh, I don't want to have a California civil war between Northern California and Southern California. But it's fair to kind of ask. How many people are in the North versus how many people are in the South? Whether that's an American discussion or a California discussion, the principle is the same. 
My fear, ladies and gentlemen, with this is if we're not very careful, what we're going to do is we're going to create other bigger entities over time. So we temporarily solve the problem and, and we create these political divides. But over time, we just create bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon, there'll be no rural group left that's not part of a, quote, greater cause. I'm not so sure that's the answer. Is there a better way to get the representation that we desire, right? I think the answers are resounding yes, by the way. There is a better way. You ready for me to tell you what it is? Imagine turning to the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, for guidance, okay? So here's how I would do it. The Supreme Court has documented, and the Constitution has articulated for quite some time that, hey, the House of Representatives is where most of our representation really is. And there's supposed to be a certain amount of representatives to a related amount of population. And the problem is in recent decades and whatever, uh, we haven't kept up with that. Right now, the amount of representation we have in a given state is very, very few. I mean, Utah has, what, four uh, House reps for over three million people? That's not what the founders intended for representation, ladies and gentlemen. So I know that they want to just merge these different groups together and, and create these other entities and just have a greater Idaho and but you'll just create another big behemoth that'll eventually lose representation for the rural folks. I don't think it's the answer. I think the answer is to get appropriate representation per the population as the Constitution guidance provides. I think that's where we ought to spend our time and our efforts. Just my two cents. Hopefully that was educational. Hopefully you learned a couple of things and hopefully you can stand for what's right with what you've learned, huh? Hour one of the can, my guest coming up, surprise guest, hour two. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Donate liberally. Every penny will grow our presence in the media, we promise. And we thank you for listening. God save the Republic of the United States of America. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for April the 17th of the year of our Lord, 2021. This is is our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Wow, last hour we talked about a lot of crazy stuff, folks. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to respond to a lot of this discussion that we're having here. On the radio in modern times, uh, Idaho plan to make it the third biggest state. That's by area. They want to annex part of Oregon, 
part of northern Washington and part of northern or southern Washington, sorry, and part of northern California uh, to make a new state. I'm not really for it. I think we need smaller uh, municipalities. I think we need greater representations in those uh, smaller regions, not necessarily bigger regions. Big, massive, warring blocks don't sound fascinating or good to me at all. All right, I digress. Let's start now with our guest, Sheriff David A. Clark, Jr., If you're looking for compromise, you've come to the wrong place. I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. AmericasSheriff.com. Welcome back, Sheriff Clark. Sam, it's a pleasure to be on with you, and hello to your listeners. Man, what's going on with you these days? I know you've been doing so many different things. You've obviously been the former sheriff of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You've been the president of America's Sheriff LLC. You've been on the, an advisory board member of We Build the Wall. You've uh, authored a book. <laughs> You've done a lot of things. What, what's happening now, sir? Well, a lot. You know, it never stops. Uh, making it more local now. I came back to Wisconsin, where I'm from, born and raised. I was living out east for a while, helping the uh, Trump administration with their policies and promoting uh, what they were trying to do very successfully, by the way. And, you know, after a while, I just, uh, you know, my, my initial plan was just to go there for a couple of years and, and, and help them get started with their super PAC, Trump super PAC, America first. So I thought I'd give it a couple of years. Uh, the, the lifestyle out there wasn't for me. I'm a Midwest boy, born and raised. And uh, it's a it, it's a it's a sewer out there in Washington, D.C., so you know, I gutted it out for a couple of years, but now I'm back home in Wisconsin and I'm getting ready to start up a 501c4 nonprofit, a, a grassroots advocacy uh, in an attempt to reclaim our state government here from the political class and put it back in charge of we the people. And that's been a uh, you know real ambitious undertaking here. Uh, but, you know, it, it keeps me busy still doing some TV uh, shows like yourself. Still doing a lot of that about uh, many of the issues confronting this this country right now, so that's why I said the 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 fight and the work never stops. The best place to keep an eye on what you're doing in your work is americasheriff.com, right? That's it, and I'm also on uh, social media sites, Twitter at Sheriff Clark, and it's Clark with an E C L A R K E. I'm on Parlor, same handle at Sheriff Clark, and also on Telegram at Sheriff Clark. Did you hear I got kicked off Twitter now? Hey, that's a, that's a badge of honor. Yeah, here's here's what happened. There was a, a news report out of Israel that was um, reported on by LifeSite News and many others. Uh, and it basically said, hey, more people are dying from the COVID vaccines and the elderly population in Israel than are dying actually from COVID itself. And I, you know, I don't know all the details. I just know that it was a legitimate group of physicians that were reporting this. And I know that Israel's news organizations and LifeSite News reported it. I reported on it. They kicked me off Twitter and said, Sam, if you take down your propaganda, we'll put you back up. I refused to take it down. It's not propaganda. It's a report on a report coming out of an international news organizations on the other side of the story. I'm not here to, to debate what's factual in every situation or not. I'm here to report on the, the um, allegations being made by groups of people around the world. And if Twitter's going to take me down for that, I'm not going to capitulate. I don't blame you. I've been suspended uh, numerous times for expressing myself uh, as well. And, and it's 
you know, like you said, it's not a matter. It's, it's for the, the reader, the consumer to decide how much credence they want to give that stuff. It's not for big tech to do that. Our First Amendment freedoms are being squelched. There's, there, you know, we don't have any First Amendment uh, protections as it comes to speech anymore. If you say the wrong thing, you say something that goes maybe a little sideways or is a little clumsy, you know, the next thing you know, you're, you lose your job, you're canceled from the airwaves. And uh, it's a very dangerous time right now uh, in the United States as it relates to our basic freedoms. But somebody's got to fight back. So that's why I say good for you. I didn't take mine down. I, I, I was suspended for about six, seven months when I posted something about Stacey Abrams, that black racist uh, from Georgia, who to this day still maintains that she won the governor's race when she lost uh, by 30,000 votes. So she can run around posting that nonsense and that crap and that lie and nothing happens to her. And, uh, but the same doesn't go for, you know, anybody with a counter view in this country. Uh, but, you know, I went over to parlor uh, the social media site over there. And then when Parler got shut down, you know, I had to go somewhere. So I went back to Twitter and, and then I started an account on uh, Telegram as well. But, you know, I think that's the best thing to do is to have numerous sites. That way if one gets suspended, it's most likely going to be Twitter because the other sites don't uh, uh, squelch free speech and the exchange of ideas. Uh, then you have someplace else to land. So that's why I opened up a couple other sites, and that way if Twitter shuts me down again or whatever, I could just pop back up on the other ones. Yeah, and I've mainly focused on the radio network because we're in charge of it. I own it. I can say what I want and do what I want. And, you know, Unless they're going to get real hostile, meaning take down the backbone of the Internet, they're going to have a very hard time taking down my radio network and the websites that we put up. And it's better that we learn to build our own institutions. And, and as you're doing your 501C4 uh, um, organization to challenge some of the things going on here, we've got to build our own institutions, Sheriff. Oh, there's no doubt about that. You know, we became too one-dimensional and reliant on other people and, and other uh, uh, networks, but then that makes you a slave to them. Uh, so that's a fantastic idea. It's going to take some time. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, that's all right. Uh, as long as as we get to that point at, you know, a little bit of the time, um, you know, that's the main thing is is just to have alternative places to go where, where free speech is welcomed. I don't care how ugly it is. Um, you know, let society take care of the people who are going to, you know, go up on air or on a social media site and talk stupid. All right, society will shun them. Society will slam them. We don't need big tech um, trying to fill that role for us. We can do that ourselves. And most people realize that if you say something stupid or you say something totally out of whack, society's going to come down. Your friends, when I say society, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, they'll take care of that. And they'll, they'll get you back in by the, the way, line. You'll see the areas. By the way, as race. they should. Right? By the way, as Correct. they should. Well, it's usually how we handle that sort of thing. Uh, you know, let the, the, you know, let society, we have societal norms. A lot of these things, they're not written down, but there are societal norms that most people adhere to. I mean, for instance, I like to use this example. You know, you, you bump into somebody in a crowded public space, you know, you just say, hey, excuse me. You know, and that's the end of it. But, you know, there's no law that says you have to, but, you know, common decency tells you to be courteous in public spaces. And most people stick to that sort of thing. And, you know, but when, when big tech comes along, you know, what they do is they start squashing anything that, that goes against what they believe or what they think. And I always thought 
Sam, that, that a class of ideas was a good thing and a healthy thing in democracy. It keeps from groups, group things setting in. So I promote a class of ideas. I realize there are different schools of thought. There are different views other than my own. You know, I express my views, and I'll support those views, and I'll stand on those views. And if somebody wants to show me that I'm wrong, I'm willing to listen, but most of the time they can't. So what they try to do, what do they try to do? They just try to shut me down. Well, and I'll even defend people's rights to say stupid things and, and, and advocate for their opinions, which may be completely different. So I'm not supporting their opinions, but I support their right to say and think and believe them if they choose. Well, that's it. And, and, and you know, we've always, our nation has always been premised on that. You know, an exchange of ideas, free expression, no matter what it is. Uh, you know, responsibly, of course. But it's just gotten so out of hand today with the way uh, counter views are being squelched and squashed and, and, and people are being punished for having an alternative view, no matter what it is, if it's, if it goes against the, the leftist and the liberal and the progressive ideology, you know, those people are, uh, uh, you know, they have the, the whole left starts to come down on you and it's, it's, it, it gets dangerous and, and it gets costly for people. People can't lose their People shouldn't lose their job because they post something on social media that somebody doesn't agree with. Well, and the same thing with Twitter. You know, I should literally sue Twitter for taking me down. All I did was report on legitimate reports from other sources and let people know about it. I didn't make claims. I didn't, okay. Uh, but even so, I'm entitled to do that. They took me down. I should sue them over it. But the problem is I don't really have money to, and time to sue them. I'll have to spend a full-time job trying to sue them and raising money to uh, to sue them and everybody else and their dog has sued them and it seems to be that the courts are stuck on stupid with this as well and so it's it's a very difficult what do you do about it and my response is i just don't capitulate to them and i carry on and carry the ball to the best of my ability uh, is what i'm doing a moment about it but these are serious serious things we're talking about and i can't say what i want to say you can't say what you want to say but the communists and socialists seem to be able to say what they want to say so you know what i believe stacy abrams and kamala harris i personally believe they're both communist flat out communist now that's an opinion to which i'm entitled let's have david a clark's response america's sheriff in seconds on your radio Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, 
you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sheriff David A. Clark Jr. with me. We're talking about the First Amendment, folks. Our rights are being obliterated, but we got to stand up and be solid. we got to build our own institutions, that's for sure. Uh, we're not allowed to say what we want to say, but you know what? I believe the communists and the socialists are allowed to do and say what they want to say. I personally believe Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris and Ocasio-Cortez or AOC, they're all really communist people. They really are. That's their agenda. And they're swearing an oath to the Constitution to protect us from enemies, foreign and domestic, or at flat-out odds with everything they've been doing over the last who knows how many umpteen years or whatever else. Now, that's my opinion, to which I'm entitled that they're communist socialist folks. They might try to sue me, but I, I, I say that I have the right to have my opinion. Uh, Sheriff, what do you say to that? No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's the, the, the bedrock of the United States Constitution, of course. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that these folks need to be reminded of is that these are God-given rights. All right, these are not rights given by government. These are not rights transferred by the courts. And if they're God-given rights, they're my rights. And only I can take them away, so to speak. I don't want a legislature taking them away. I don't want courts taking them away. I don't want big tech taking them away. These are god given rights. Now, it's interesting, even though I disagree with AOC uh, and Abrams and, and Harris and some of these people, I defend their right to say and think what they want. Let's let the court of public opinion uh, decide who they believe, me or they, if you will. Uh, but they're not willing to afford the same to us as the problem, just proving that they're not able to handle the appropriate debate uh, in front of the American people about what we believe in, who we are, what we stand for, what we're willing to do, what we're not willing to do. They're not willing to have that for open scrutiny is the problem. Well, that's what totalitarian governments do, uh, communist governments, socialist governments. It's their way or the highway. Uh, that's why I said, Sam, these are some very dangerous times. But the thing that I'm uh, very concerned with is I don't see a whole lot of pushback, um, you know, collectively by the American people at the ground level here. You know, we're doing a lot of complaining. We're doing a lot of hand wringing. Uh, and in some instances, we're doing a lot of whining about it. We're not really willing to, you know, rise up, stand up against this uh, totalitarian regime. And that's what it is. Um, this poisonous leftist socialist progressive ideology and uh, reclaim our, our country, you know, reclaim our institutions because if we don't do it and we don't do it fast because this thing is happening very quickly as, as, as people are realizing this will be gone. And once it's gone, Sam, it's not coming back. 
Sad but true. And one of the things that I find interesting is I see a lot of people not pushing back as they should. Masks is one of the big issues of forcing of masks, not by legislative bodies, the real lawmaking bodies in America, but by governor edicts turning themselves into kings kind of a thing. Uh, But it's more than the masks. I look at the First Amendment and look at the free speech and freedom of the press discussions that we've just had. But I also add to that the discussion on freedom of religion. You know what? They've just literally shut down worship in America, too. And most most of the leaders of churches have just simply flat out capitulated and or aided and abetted in the shutting down of religion across the country. It is shocking, sir. Yeah, they took this flu virus, and that's all it is. And I'm not suggesting that for some people, uh, you know, with compromised immune systems, for instance, the elderly. I'm not suggesting that it's not serious for them. But, you know, we've, what, what happened in an exploitation of that flu virus is the left seized on it to take more of our rights away. As it relates to masks, there are differing opinions within the scientific and medical community on the efficacy of masks as to whether masks as to whether it uh, prevents or stops the spread of, of the flu virus. And because there's differing opinions, my position is put the information out there, let me absorb the information, and let me decide how I want to protect myself. I don't need government protecting me. That's for me to do. So, you know, from the, the mask perspective, I don't want government telling me what I have to wear. It's that simple. It's, a, it's, it's an issue of, of, of freedom and liberty as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, they take this flu virus and a whole host of things happen, right? Lockdowns, um, which, you know, basically was house arrest. We have never in this country... Sam, never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined healthy people. But that's exactly what we did here. We took healthy people and said, you must stay in your house. You can't, uh, you aren't free to walk about. You must wear a mask. We have never done that in the history of this country. And this is not the first time we've dealt with a virus in this country. But it is unprecedented with some of the things that have resulted in it. And, you know, the only way we're going to get rid of some of these uh, crazy mandates because I don't even want legislatures doing it. I don't. I don't want. I, I don't want. Again, it's a rights issue. These are my rights. A legislature can't take away my rights. So, you know, unless people just you know, when I said push back, fight back, you know, this is a good example here. Now, if you're on somebody's private property, a restaurant, so to speak, that's open to the public, they can have a rule saying you have to wear a mask, but not in public and not on public property, not in a public building. You know, that belongs to the public. So people, when they, you know, oftentimes, you know, say, well, what do you mean push back, sir? What can we do? Well, there's a number of things you can do. We, we, You know, the ability to protest, civil disobedience, general strikes, um, and, and, and another one is just boycotts. That's what I mean when I say fight back. Big tech, we should just boycott big tech. But, you know, people are so enamored to it you know, the, the, the hundreds of millions of users, and they feel like they can't live without I lived fine without Twitter for six months, and that was before Parler went out. I just wasn't on social media. I don't have a Facebook account. I have an Instagram account, but I don't use it. I'm not wedded to social media, but, so, you know, many people are. So that's why they just they kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, I guess I got to do this. You know, government said I have to do this, and government says I have to go here, and government says you know, forcing me to get a vaccine. By the way, that vaccine, most people have forgotten that is still in its experimental stage. 
They still do not know what may or may not happen long term as a result of this COVID virus. They've rushed it to market. And now they're trying to, in their, 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 their sneaky ways, you know, you can't go to a concert without your vaccine passport. You can't go to a football game without, you know, that's all nonsense. But again, we shrug our shoulders, I guess, and say, well, you know, I want to go to the concert, so I guess I'll do this. Well, I don't, I'm not going to live like that. I guess I won't go to concerts. I guess I won't go to football games. You know, that's just the way I approach it. And people have to approach it in their own way. And, and, and I respect them if they say, hey, I want to do it because I want to do these things. That's fine. But I don't want the government, Sam, telling me you must get this vaccine that's in an experimental stage. And we don't know long term what might happen, but this is what's good for you. I don't need them telling me what's good for me. I want to make that decision. Ladies and gentlemen, it's herd immunity, not quarantine that saves lives. And you can naturally get. Herd immunity. In fact, more of the population already has it than we can possibly imagine. That's a bridge they're not willing to cross. Uh, but my response on this is we need to preserve agency, meaning ability to choose, and transparency uh, in this discussion uh, about vaccines, about the coronavirus, uh, about, and we need to preserve the sacred cause of liberty. That is for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Sheriff David A. Clark Jr. with me. And we talked a little bit about the First Amendment, but I want to dovetail that into the Second Amendment. Um, the Second Amendment, ladies and gentlemen, we need to target criminal behavior, not guns. We must, we must look at what prompted the shootings in the first place. Unfortunately, cops are afraid and they backed away from doing their duty in fear that they'll be the next news case. They'll be attacked in the court of public opinion and the news will peddle propaganda against their um, law enforcement duties to the point where, you know what, they've capitulated and now the, quote, defund the cops movement is running rampant. Uh, and what we're going to create, if we're not very careful, is a 100% divide between the cops and the people. Wrong answer. Defunding all the cops, leaving us to the uh, whims of the criminal. Wrong answer. This Second Amendment discussion is serious as Joe Biden puts forth executive orders unconstitutionally and now is pushing harder leaning on the congressmen and senators on the Republican side to say, let's move forward with more gun control. Sheriff, this is a, 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 I'm telling you, it's a plan from Satan's playbook almost. This is evil. That's when King George came for the guns and the American people said, "Uh uh-uh, and the revolution started. I don't want to get there, but they're pushing hard, sir. Yeah, I've made the decision, Sam, that this is the hill to die on, Uh, the Second Amendment. They're not going to disarm me. Again, these are individual rights. These are not group rights. So when you have an individual, like a criminal or a mass uh, murderer, who goes out and uses that tool, and that's all a firearm is, is a tool, but they use it in a fashion that they're not supposed to. You don't take my rights away because of that. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Sam Bushman and David A. Clark Jr. on your radio. We're talking about the Second Amendment, your right to keep and bear arms. God-given right never to be taken away by government. AmericasSheriff.com with me on your radio. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Mike Fortier. A somber day in Great Britain as the funeral for Prince Philip gets underway this hour. The ceremony for the 99-year-old being held at St. George's Chapel on the grounds of Windsor Castle. Several questions around the deadly mass workplace shooting in Indianapolis. Eight people killed Thursday night at a FedEx facility. 19-year-old ex-employee Brandon Hole ID'd as the gunman yesterday. The motive remains a mystery. There was no confrontation with anyone that was there. There was no disturbance. There was no argument. He just appeared to randomly start shooting. Indianapolis Metro Police Deputy Chief Craig McCart. Four of the victims identified as Sikh, but no word on if that's a factor. Hole found dead at the scene of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Questions also remain about how Hole got the rifle police believe he used in the shooting and FedEx's cell phone policy being scrutinized. The company doesn't allow some employees to have cell phones with them during work hours. That means during the shooting they couldn't call for help or let family members know they were safe. This is USA Radio News. Awesome and amazing day, friends. Hey, we are headed towards St. Patrick's Day, luck of the Irish. And I want to give a great shout-out to one of the greatest coaches of all time, Lou Holtz, who gave me his permission to use his name and his likeness when I used to be in the banking world. But you don't need luck this year to get healthy. You don't need luck to lose your fat. You don't need luck to get off all those medications. No, all you need is to use those hands and log on to EnergizeHealth.com or call us at 888-444-8895. Friends, you've heard Wayne talk about his amazing transformation, and you know Wayne is a crusader of truth and only speaks the truth. He would not be endorsing this protocol if it hadn't changed his life. You need to log on just to see that. So log on today to EnergizeHealth.com or call us at 888-444-8895. Following the FedEx shooting, there are calls for lawmakers to address gun violence. President Biden yesterday proposing an assault weapons ban. Who in God's name needs a weapon that can hold 100 rounds or 40 rounds or 20 rounds? It's just wrong, and I'm not going to give up till it's done. Biden calls the level of gun violence in the U.S. a national embarrassment. Biden also expressing his displeasure with Iran's announcement it will enrich uranium at 60 percent purity. We do not support and do not think it's at all helpful that Iran is saying it's going to move to enrich to 60 percent. It is contrary to the agreement. We are, though, nonetheless, uh, pleased that Iran has continued to agree to engage in discussions, uh, in direct discussions with us and with our our, our partners on how we move forward. Iran currently enriching uranium at 20% purity. It takes 90% purity for the uranium to be considered weapons grade. This is USA Radio News. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. America's Sheriff David Clark with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about your right to keep and bear arms, a God-given inalienable right of self-defense is what we're talking about. Joe Biden whacked out his all-get-out right on the bottom of the hour. Crazy Grandpa Joe. Now, we don't need any guns with weapons that can hold 100 rounds, 40 rounds, 20 rounds. Why would you ever need such a thing? So what I would say, though, is, look, we need to disarm the Secret Service, Joe. Uh, you know, you're not carrying a gun because you're probably, um, you know, got dementia. And that's an opinion to which I'm entitled as well. Um, but you've got people around you that have all kinds of guns. And I think we just need to take them away and get, shut down the Secret Service there. You don't need it there. Uh, they can't have, uh, you know, these rounds in their guns and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
really this is an elitist mentality they're pitching. They want security all around them armed to the teeth, but yet you better just be completely defenseless, denying us a God-given right, Sheriff. Without a doubt, and to disarm the people is to enslave them. And I thought that was interesting. Once again, this anti-gun movement, this anti-Second Amendment, anti-constitutional movement out there, you have this uh, horrific incident at the FedEx uh, shop the other day. And remember, before we went to the break, I said, these are individual rights. These aren't group rights. And all of a sudden, Joe Biden comes out and says, we need to take uh, uh, rifles and, and, and uh, large capacity magazines off the street. Now they're making it a group right again. I didn't shoot anybody at the FedEx shop. I have never used my firearms in a way that they weren't intended to be used. I don't mow children down at schools. I don't mow people down with, with my, my uh, rifles at, a, at a, a shopping center. Those are my rights, individual. This system of jurisprudence in this country has always been based on identifying those people who are directly responsible for something and punishing them or holding them accountable, not punishing people who had nothing to do with it. When people ask me, and I've been asked this before, why did, you know, Sheriff, why does somebody need a, a, a magazine that can hold, you know, 30, 40 rounds? You know, my answer is, why, why do they need it? Because they want it. All right, it's their Second Amendment freedom. It's not for somebody else to decide what the amount of uh, ammunition a magazine should hold. It's, it's up to the manufacturer who, who wants to make it to hold 30. Some are 10, some are 15, some are 40. And as long as that stuff is, is available to law-abiding people, that is what we should do to protect our freedom. So it's not, we don't live in a country, Sam, where we have to explain why we want to exercise our freedoms. We don't live in that kind of country. We want to exercise our freedoms because they are our freedoms. But here's my response to those who would say, why do you need this? My response is, why do you want to debate what you think I need? Who put you in charge of my needs? Okay, my need is God-given to defend me and my family. And I determine the depth and breadth of that need, not you. I don't think you, uh, person who wants to debate my needs, I don't think you need to eat anything at all, period. I think you ought to just become a breatharian and live off of your air because you don't need to eat, I've determined. Okay, but wait a minute. You say, well, I need to eat, and I need to determine how much I eat. Okay, fine. I need to determine how much self-defense I need. And the more tyrannical the government becomes, the more tyrannical uh, criminal gangs become because we allow this in America, and the cops wrongfully step down from their duty, so that I don't have any protection, my need becomes greater by the day, ladies and gentlemen. That's how I would respond, Sheriff. What do you say? Well, yeah, precisely. I mean, that's exactly why the Founding Fathers knew the importance of that, being able to defend yourself against a tyrannical government, because they knew the propensity of government. They had just come out from under it with, with King George and the Crown, and they didn't want that to happen again. Um, so, you know, this is a very slippery slope that, that we're on, which is why I said this is the hill to die on for me. I mean, that's a decision I've made. They're not going to disarm me. Um, that's the end. Once they do that, they understand. Totalitarian regimes understand. You control the press and you disarm the people. Then you are on your way to enslaving them and having complete control over them. That's what this anti-gun movement is, is about. It's not about reducing violence. It's not about preventing violence. They won't even punish the people who 
they won't punish them properly. The people who are using these these uh, firearms in a way that they were not intended to be used, like I said, you know, mowing down kids in a school or, or on a playground. It's not what a firearm was intended, you know, was designed for and intended for. So when people use it in an improper way, we need to punish them. How about Hunter Biden? He lied on his federal form to purchase a gun in 2018. He lied. He out, we, ha, we have the copy of it. We've seen the copy, and it's question 21C. I think the form is 4473 that everybody has to fill out when you make a firearms purchase with a, a federal firearms licensee. And it says, uh, do you use, are you addicted to, or do you use uh, illegal drugs or chemical substances that, um, see, drugs and or other abuse, you know, abuse other substances. And he, he answered, no, we know that he has a cocaine problem. We know this, and he has admitted it. It's in his book, for heaven's sake. His family has said, yes, Hunter is struggling with this addiction, and that's a terrible thing, but you know what? He lied on that form. That is a felony. They will not go after him. So that's what I, an example of when I say, look, they won't even enforce the laws on the books. Why are we trying to make more? Well, and he's so on drugs, he can't even remember the stripper he knocked up. So there you go. Yeah, that guy, I'll tell you what, he's a piece of work, isn't he? Uh, you know, I feel well, in my opinion, that, that is. In, in my opinion, what we need to do is arrest that guy. Of... We need to give him a jury uh, of his peers to try him for his crimes. Uh, and we need to let the law take it where it does with people like this, right? Yeah, but they won't. You know, he's a, he's a he's in a special class. He is an example. You know, we hear so much from the left about uh, white supremacy and white privilege. He is an example of what white privilege is. You know, he gets to do whatever he wants. There was reports. There have been reports that there was uh, some child porn uh, on his computer. And again, you know, nothing happens. The same with uh, Mrs. Bill Clinton, who had classified information on an unprotected server, nothing happens to her. You know, you look at this over and over and over again, and you say, you know, this, what, what kind of country is this now where we have special classes of people who, and they're mainly politicians and, and mainly well-connected people, where the laws don't apply to them. They only apply to the little guy. You know, this, this, I find this sickening. I find it aggravating when I see this sort of thing, that they want to hold me to a standard, but that they won't hold themselves to. I also find that fascinating that, you know what, we stand shoulder to shoulder as Americans, as the human race, as, as the children of God, uh, to defend the principles that make America great. They literally slice and dice up us, claiming that we're racist, claiming that we're bigots, claiming that we're um, extremists, claiming that we're whatever they want to say. Every one of those lies are designed to back us into a corner and take us out of the political discussion. We've got to be bold enough and have enough courage to stand against that and say, you know what? You guys are wrong. I don't care if you call me a racist. Everybody else knows it's not true. In fact, you even know it's not true. You're just saying it because you know that it'll get me to shut up if I'm stupid enough to fall for it, right? Yeah, people have to stop being paralyzed by being called a name. Uh, I, 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 it's something that, I, that really uh, puzzles me, that you know, people are afraid of being called a racist, afraid of being labeled by The left's going to call you it no matter what anyway, but I don't understand why that's so paralyzing. You know, if somebody says something to me, you know, my response would be, you know, someone to say to me, hey, you, 
you're a racist. Like, well, I might be a discussion for another day, but let's get back to what I'm talking about over here because that is a defense mechanism. It's designed to shut you down and to freeze you. But people have to get over that. That thing is overused. It's tired. It's tiring. Those labels, you know, just brush them off and, and keep moving forward. It, it's, it's a real simple thing to do. But for some odd reason, you know, that R word racist is a very paralyzing word to many people. Not to me. I'm, I've been clear what I've said over the years, and I'm clear who I associate with. People who want to stand with the, the God, family, and country message, they're all friends of mine. People who don't, you know what? I, I, I want you to you know, be protected and have all the blessings of liberty as well, but I, I just don't want to be friends with those people who aren't for God, family, country. So to me, it's a very simple discussion. It's that simple. Yeah, and you know, you look at, at at some of the liberal media. You know, when we talk about the the the, the rules don't apply to them; it only applies to, to other people. You look at that Sarah Zhang, who they hired on their editorial board, who had posted a bunch of racist tweets uh, about white people, uh, and and New York Times hired her anyway, and said, "Well, you know, that was." She said that some time ago, and and, and she she regrets having done it. Okay, fine. I'm I'm all for second chances. But only certain people get second chances. How about Joy Reid of MSNBC, who posted homophobic um, things on her social media before she was hired by MSNBC, but they hired her anyway. You know, but let someone on our side slip up a little bit, and they're doomed for life. We got a genesis of the double standard, that's for sure, ladies and gentlemen. Sheriff David Clark with me. AmericaSheriff.com to keep up on what he's doing. I got an interesting twist with Black Lives Matter and CNN. We'll tell you about it and have the good sheriff respond in seconds. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm, available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-7777.
2000. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio. The good sheriff, America's sheriff, with me, David A. Clark Jr., doing a phenomenal job. So I got an interesting story to tell you, sheriff, that I just find fascinating, and then I want to get your response to it. Here the headline is, Black Lives Matter rioters literally assaulted a CNN staffer and chased the news team out of Brooklyn Center, Minnesota on Tuesday evening, and the network didn't even mention it on air, despite they discussed the riots multiple times. Here's the details and then your response. A video posted by Washington Examiner reporter Nick Rowan shows a crowd of people surrounding a CNN crew member. They threw a water ball at him. They hit him in the head. The crew member falls to the ground. Some of the crowd call for a medic, but others just mock, jeer, and laugh. A second video literally shows rioters chasing the CNN news crew out of Brooklyn Center in Minnesota and yelling, get the F out of here. We're leaving, one of the crew members says as they scramble and get into a car. We don't want any trouble, the CNN team says. Rioters literally throw objects, including what appears to be water bottles, raw eggs, and other objects, at the car as they drive away. Headline, protesters just chased the entire CNN crew away from the police precinct. My team and I are fine, and I appreciate your concern, CNN reporter. Mikel Marcus said on Twitter, CNN still hasn't made any comments about their crew members being assaulted. Now, I don't even know how to respond to this stuff. This is insanity, but it's almost cannibalistic. They're literally eating their own now as they deny reality on the ground, as they protect the criminals and the ne'er-do-wells, and they throw their own to the wolves in the process. This is just sick, Sheriff. Yeah, but it's poetic justice that they're getting a taste of their own medicine from the monster that they created, as you indicated. You know, when you create a monster, you better be able to control that thing. You better be able to feed that monster. They created Black Lives Matter. And, you know, at, at, at some point, that monster, you're not going to be able to continue to feed it. And then that monster will turn on you and eat you. That's the cannibalistic nature that you're talking about. So that's why I call it poetic justice. I don't disagree, but I think it's so sad and it's starting to become so easy for the American people to see the truth in who's who, ladies and gentlemen. Look, I'm defending. I'm not a CNN fan. Okay, I think they're basically a horrible news service. I think they deliver propaganda left and right. I think they're dishonest in their narratives. I mean, I think I have a lot of personal beliefs about CNN where I just think they're, they're the mainstream press. They're part of the swamp. They're just they're horrible. And that's an opinion to which I'm entitled. However... Look, I'm going to reject Black Lives Matter's abuses and criminal activity and the assault on this poor CNN correspondent or CNN uh, person. Uh, you know what? Shame on the network for not mentioning it, not calling these people to account. Shame on the cops for not standing up. But when the, uh, when the entire CNN crew get chased, 
out of there. They're not protesters. Okay. They say protesters you know, just chased. Protesters didn't chase anybody out of anywhere. Criminals did, Sheriff. Yeah, they're misusing that terminology. That you know, they're always protesters when actually what they are is they're riot makers. Um, they're insurrectionists. That's what they really are. But you know, shame on the, the CNN crew. Then I guess for not complaining to their their network and not complaining to their um, uh, higher ups in that communist news organization. We're not covering it. You know, the, 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 it, it's that Without crew that should be upset. That crew should be upset yeah, about and, it. You know, and not that's you kind and of my I. point. What is the crew thinking, though? I'm defending the CNN guy because, look, he doesn't have the right to be assaulted. or, or uh, There's no justification for an assault here. I don't care if I politically disagree with him or not. I'm defending the poor guys that got beat up. I don't care who they are. It needs to stop. But where the heck are his his teammates? Where's the complaints from those people that got abused? Where's the cops in this thing? I mean, there's so much wrong with this. I don't even know where to start. Well, where's the FBI? I mean, they're out there chasing around uh, these trespassers at the U.S. Capitol using high, um, you know, using modern technology to try to uh, identify them. But they won't use that on the rioters of Black Lives Matter. You know, look at the incident that that you're talking about now that happened in uh, uh, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn City Center, whatever it's called, in, in Minneapolis. Why isn't the FBI down there trying to identify those people that looted? And that's a burglary, actually, to, to break into a building to steal. Where's the FBI helping the local police in identifying those people? Why don't they have the same uh, gusto that they had for going after the people who trespassed into the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Fair, honest, open questions, ladies and gentlemen. This double stand that we're talking about continues. Um, For example, the Black Lives Matter rioters. Look, back in last summer, the corporate world was backing these Black Lives Matters people like no other, giving them big money and funding and everything else. And now these criminal activities happen and there's virtually no accountability. No one really speaks out boldly like I am against it. No one holds these people to account. No lawsuits, no criminal activity, no arrests. The cops are just like, I don't know where they are in this discussion, but the poor CNN people got beat up. Okay, one guy got assaulted, but the whole news team, the whole crew uh, got just removed from the police precinct. Where are the cops in this thing, man? What the heck's going on around here? And what's it going to be like if we do nothing and then they ratchet it to the next level and the next level? Pretty soon your Second Amendment right becomes so vital, it's not funny. Well, the the law enforcement community uh, has their hands tied right now. You know, they're, they're, they're frozen in place. Some of these are, you know, these stand-down orders, which I find untenable. They have an obligation and a duty to protect life and property. You know, when, when you see businesses looted and, and torched um, during these riots, you know, those are people who provide jobs. Those are people who pay a lot in business property taxes that support the police department. And, you know, they're entitled to public safety. So when I see this stuff going on and I see that the cops are just standing in a line holding the line. You don't hold the line in policing. You must always be advancing on the criminal element. These stand-down orders, as I said, are untenable. Uh, The cops are not as aggressive as we need them to be, and I understand why. I don't blame them at this point anymore. You know, at one time early on, like, uh, you know, in the early days of, of, of this war on cops after Ferguson, Missouri, 
you know, I still maintain that the cops need to uh, continue to, to, to do their job and, and not be afraid. Well, I'm not, I don't take that position anymore because it's not worth it. It's not worth losing your career. These cops have mortgages. These cops have tuitions to pay. They got families to feed, um, bills to pay. And it can all be gone in a flash because of some incident that happens through no fault of their own. Okay. By, you know, brought on by the actions of the perpetrator whose behavior forced the law enforcement to make certain determinations and use certain actions that might go wrong. You know, this is policing is not a straight line. It's not an exact science. There's a lot of unknown when these cops go into this situation. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know who, who, who they're dealing with. And the, the, the Supreme Court understands that in, in their, their decision on, on the use of force and deadly force. They said you can't use you can't view the the actions of the cop in the hindsight in 2020 hindsight and through the lens of 2020 hindsight. You cannot do that because these are split second decisions, decisions made in circumstances that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving. So, you know, more times than not, you have to give the benefit of the doubt to the cop because of that. That's the law of the land. If people don't like that, they can go and petition the Supreme court and tell them to change it, but to try to just change it on their own, with these politically motivated uh, charging of police officers, like I said, through actions that uh, were the result of behavior by the perpetrator, this is flat out wrong. So, you know, the cops, they're just going to come in, you know, just kind of look straight ahead and just go to the 911 call, but they're not going to do anything above and beyond that. And like I said, Sam, I don't blame them at this point. I'm surprised they haven't walked out. Yeah, I agree with your point completely. And here's the thing. We have learned over time that, believe it or not, um, there have been a lot of local police who have tried to stop Black Lives Matter from their criminal activity. And upper, um, I don't know what you want to say, but people in the upper echelons of police departments from the local all the way up to the FBI have literally turned a blind eye, blind eye to the criminal activity of the BLM and other organizations uh, and have literally um, made it to where the cops are just like, you know what? I, I try to stop criminal activity and I'm shut down from my own superiors, et cetera. And, and there's a report on this that locally all the way up to the FBI, they've literally virtually aided, aided and abetted these black lives matter criminal activities. Um, if you get beat up by a black lives matter folks, and then you complain, then they literally file charges against you, the victim, and they turn the blind blind eye to the uh, black lives matter people and stuff. And so these poor cops just feel like what control do I have? What can I even do? Um, this is a pattern that we're seeing is the point. Yeah, these feckless police executives, chiefs and, and assistant chiefs and deputy chiefs kowtowing to the politicians in their town hall or city hall or, or county boards, uh, I think it's disgraceful. It really is. They put people out in harm's way every day. You know, as the sheriff of Milwaukee County, I had to do that. I had to send people out into harm's way, um, you know, with no guarantee that they'd be coming home at the end of the shift. And at least all these cops want, all they want is to know that they'll have the backing of the uh, executive level uh, command, and they don't have it right now. I think it's shameful to put somebody out in harm's way and not give them all the support, all of the resources that they need to do this dangerous job. I, I, I find it, like I said, I like to, to use that word. I find it disgraceful that you would do something like that. If you don't have the courage 
when you're putting these people in harm's way every day, you're sending them out on a tour of duty. If you don't have the courage to back them when they're right, yeah, if they're wrong, fine. But more times than not, they're going to be right. And you don't have the, the, um, you know, the, the cojones, so to speak. Yeah. To, to back these people, shame on you. And you should get, turn your badge in and let somebody else do it. Who's going to exercise some courage and some leadership so that those people have the confidence when they go out every day, that at least they got the backing of the command staff and the command level. Amen. Sheriff Clark, I couldn't agree more. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder for the sacred cause of Liberty. And uh, we need to really get serious about who we are and what we believe in. It's time for a gut check for the American people. We better stand up for Liberty or we are going to lose it. Ladies and gentlemen, these communists and socialists are heck bent on destroying everything that you and I hold dear about God, family, and country. And if good people stand together for the sacred cause, we shall see success. And it's great to catch up with you, Sheriff Clark, and get caught up on what you're doing and the hard work you're performing. We're grateful for your leadership and your guidance and your support, my friend. AmericaSheriff.com is his website to keep an eye on what the good sheriff is doing. And you can check out his incredible book. What is it, Cop Under Fire? Final words yours. 20 seconds, Sheriff. Yep, Cop Under Fire, Beyond Hashtags of Race, Crime, and Politics for a Better America. Get it. It's a great read. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Sheriff Clark, thank you. We'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks. Be All well. right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Final uh, seconds. Just so you know, LibertyRoundTable.com, my website, LovingLiberty.net, our syndicated radio network's website, live and on-demand radio at your fingertips free. iPhone and Android apps, download them. They're free to live, listen to live and on-demand radio and more. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. <laughs>